So I prayed about this, and, and I've had about three weeks, but not really three weeks, about 16, 17 days to kind of meditate. I stayed by the house. I didn't go much, out much. And uh, I meditated, and to be honest with you, I just haven't been around the house that much, not that much. Had that much time alone. And so I, I got up at 2 in the morning a few days ago. The whole, it was just God got me up. I mean, I get up a lot, but I got up, and God just put this on my heart tonight. I'm going to give it to you. Why God put it on my heart, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why now. But he did. I took a piece of paper and I hand wrote three solid pages of handwritten single line. It just flowed. Because when God comes, it don't take a long time. You read about most of these songs that we've sang for years and years and years. They're written in 20 minutes. Because when God comes by, it don't take a long time. Um, this is my 41st year of preaching here at the gospel. Um, Dr. Rasmussen wanted to try to make a big deal of that. I don't consider it a big deal. I just consider it one day at a time. I just did what I was supposed to do every day. And every day turned into this long a period of time. I tried to obey the Holy Spirit. If he'd have told me to go somewhere else, I would have went. I had a lot of offers in those 41 years to pastor much larger churches, much more influential churches. Uh, but never did I have one inkling of temptation to leave and to do that because this is where God wanted me to be. And this is where God wants me to die. And this is where God wants me to finish my course here at this place called Gospel Baptist. First 12 years I was here, most of you know this, I was allowed to preach by Pastor McKinney. I worked under him as his assistant. He was 60 years old. I was 28. It was good for me. And I, he let me preach once or twice a month. He would get sick once in a while, and then I would get to preach more. He got sick one time for six weeks. I got to preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, teach Sunday school, and do something else. And so that about overwhelmed me for six weeks. He also would take about at least five-week vacation every year, sometimes six weeks. And when he was on vacation, he would turn it over to me to preach. So I'd get to preach during that time, too. Now, I was working a full-time job. The first part of that, I worked as a floor covering, physically working out there and laying floor covering, uh, over-educated floor covering guy. And then God put me into the real estate business with my mom and dad and was praising real estate and stuff like that for a lot, stuff like that. I told you these 20-year-olds are killing me. During that time, I taught the young adult. They put me over the, over the young adult Sunday school and junior church. And Miss Miley, God bless her, she's back there. I got a lot of my theology from Miss Miley. I mean, I sat back there and watched her deal with bus kids. That's a whole other group of kids. How she disciplined them, how she did them with kindness, how she commanded their attention. And if I say, I may say, demanded their attention. Taught on the simple Bible stories of the Bible and helped me to simplify some of my teaching, get it to where people could grab it. In 1992, Pastor McKinney had been struggling for a couple years, since 1992, repeating himself 
And every time he preached, he ended up in the throne room of God, Ephesians chapter 1. No matter where he went. If he started Genesis, at the end of the sermon, it was Ephesians 1 in the throne room of God. Well, that ain't a bad place to end. <clears throat> the problem is you can't do that every sermon. So we brought it to his attention, and he tried to change it, and he never he couldn't do it. And we knew something was wrong. His wife, Naomi, knew something was wrong. And, but he didn't really know what was wrong. He couldn't tell. But by 1992, everybody knew that he was struggling with some sort of a problem, didn't know what it was. Ended up being Alzheimer's, and he died of Alzheimer's when he was 80. So eight years later, he died of it. He was a sweet man, loved God, and I got to work with him. Uh, began preaching more and more. Of course, the church called me after six months of preaching. They called me as a full-time uh, senior pastor here. I figured I'd last about a year uh, because that's about all I had to give. Uh, a pastor is like a milk cow. Um, and you're going to milk a cow so much, amen? You people that are in dairy, dairy, you're going to milk a cow about, was it once a day or twice? You do it twice a day now? Once, twice a day. Well, I felt like I was getting milk like three times a day. Some of them, sir. Some of them sermons didn't have a whole lot to say, I'll tell you that. I go back and look at them and go, wow. You know, I'd preach like, uh, for God so loved the world. My points would be, for God so loved the world. You know, it was deep. But uh, no one can prepare you for the load of, of, of a local church, of giving out that much. It humbles you and puts you in a really almost... If I may say a desperate mode with God, you become desperate uh, with God. You say, God, you must provide for me, for these people, because I can't do it alone. Didn't have any assistance. Didn't even have a secretary for the first year. I was, I was it. For the only paid employee at Gospel Baptist Church. Our budget was $80,000 a year. And I was, you know, I was making 30000 of that. And expenses were 50000 the rest of it. And that was the only paid employee, so I really didn't have anywhere to turn except to God. Dorchester was beautiful. Um, I combed the Bible. I thought, well, the only way I'm going to survive maybe two years is to read the Bible. And so, but not read it like I've been reading it, accelerate my reading. And I began to read... Uh, 10 chapters a day uh, to try to get something from God out of it. He, and he did. And I began to seek God's face in prayer more diligently. I understood that if I taught error, I would be accountable to God for it. Let me read you some of that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 19 says, Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments and teach men so, shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I didn't want to get to heaven and be shamed the fact that I had mishandled God's word. James chapter 3 verse 1 also warns and says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Um, that's parallel with Luke chapter 12, verse 48, where Jesus said, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. 
For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask some more. And so, from just those three verses, the warning is sober and it's real. If you begin to teach in the local church or the church of God, redeemed of God, you begin to teach the Bible, you better be real, real careful that you're teaching right and correctly and uprightly. And you're not misleading the people of God because there is an answer you will have to give. I've been given much, no doubt, in my life. I was raised in a Christian home. Mom and Dad got saved when they were 33 years old. They were real with God. I, I got to go to a fundamental Bible-believing independent church that loved God. Preachers went through loved God. Deacons loved God. Soul-winning churches. I was raised in that. I, at graduation of high school, I went to Bob Jones University in 1970. Finally graduating in 1977, I compressed four years into seven. And it wasn't because I was dumb. It was more because I was broke. Because I paid as I went, and when I graduated, I, I didn't owe anything. But it took seven years to do that. And my wife helped me. I can't say enough good about her. She has been phenomenal. She has just been, I feel sorry for everybody else. <laughs> and I don't take that wrong. She was God's woman for me. But Pensacola Christian College, I went and got my master's degree. It took about three summers. Uh, local church responsibilities and office of pastor, elder, bishop came upon me. So as I got up at 2 a.m. the other night, burdened to write something down about my time here with you and to bear my heart with you tonight a little bit. I want to say a few things tonight that God just has told me to say. I'm going to say it. I have not shunned to preach unto you the whole counsel of God. From the most reliable Bible that I knew of, the King James Bible, it's not been the word of men. Oh, I, there's no doubt in any of my sermons I have opinions. I mean, I'm opinionated, amen? But I try to keep that separate from thus saith the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually work in you that believe. I didn't give you the watered-down word, the deleted word of the modern versions, but I gave you the whole word, the relevant word. By the way, the word of God is relevant. We don't have to put on our sign out here, relevant meaning relevant to, to, to today's culture. You don't want to be relevant to today's culture. You want to be relevant to the word of God, which never changes and is forever settled in heaven. I gave you the life-changing word, and it has changed, and it will change your life for the better. And I've been able to observe some of your changes as you've come and been saved and grown in Christ. It's a soul-stirring word. It's a convicting word, the whole word of God. I've tried to preach what is said without tainting it with our culture. 
not personally tainting it with my own background, not socially tainting it, but give you the raw, real, always relevant Word of God. I've wept over it. I've laughed over it. I've meditated over it. And I've languished over it. I wrestled with it, submitted to it, preached it, no matter how hard and unprofitable or uncomfortable to myself for you. You do not know. The only people who know in this room is probably the people who've been pastors, like Brother Tom. How hard it is to preach what God wants you to preach. Brother Rasmussen got up here, remember, when he was preaching Hawaii Missions Conference? Remember that sermon on hell? That was extremely uncomfortable for him to do that. I mean, it was painful for him to do that. Oh, on heaven the next night, that was glorious. Everybody wants to preach on heaven. But it's tough to preach on hell. It's hard to preach against rock and roll music as a device used to the devil to destroy people's lives because you know it's rubbing people wrong. And you're not here to hurt people, you're here to help people. I, 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 by the grace of God, have tried to preach the very oracles of God given to you and I on the disposition of angels, forever settled in heaven, preserved by God himself. I tried to handle it as if it is given to us by the Holy Spirit, which it is. Not just The Bible is not just the thoughts of God. It's not just general ideas of God, not paragraphs of God, but it's the very words of God. Luke chapter 21, 33 said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Let me tell you, that argues for the deity of Christ as good as any other place in the Bible. Who could say that but God? Who could say that but God? Oh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, <clears throat> which are Christ deniers, by the way, and same thing with Mormons and other cults, it always centers around denying of Christ and who he is. They try to tell you that <clears throat> he didn't mean what he said, but he knew what he was saying exactly. John chapter 12, verse 48 says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. That's Jesus' words, by the way. Who can say that but God? So I wanted to very carefully give you the words of God, studying the meanings of those words, like Nehemiah did under the wood pulpit, by this wood pulpit. The only sanctified pulpit in the Bible is a wood pulpit, brother. Don't you, let, don't you let old Chris get a, get a lexicon pulpit. but you know the church is going downhill when they do that. <laughs> Lexicons of the devil. That's not in the Bible, but. Nehemiah preached off a wood pulpit. That's good enough for me. I have sought the wisdom of godly men also who have gone before me to make sure that I don't mess up, mess up or mishandle the Bible that I've tried to give you. 
People like, maybe these names you recognize, it's just a few of them. People like Spurgeon, Lenski, Henry Morris, uh, Matthew Henry, Dwight Pentecost, John Fox, Wycliffe, Vine, Grimaki, Unger, Walvoord, Ryrie, Barnhouse, Edersheim, Tozer, Lockyer, Sice, Hebert, just to name a few of the men that have gone before us and left a little heritage for us of what God had done in their lives in helping them. But in the vast majority of the time, and I say that honestly, the vast majority of the time I sought the Holy Spirit and what he wanted to say. I preached unto you the word of God. I didn't preach it mechanically or unimpassionedly or sterilely. Not dryly, God, God forbid. God forbid that a preacher gets up with a living, undulating, powerful, on-fire Bible and treats it like it's some dry subject. You say, well, that's just the way I am. Well, don't be that way. Brother, if you, if you can't get excited about the Bible, what can you get excited about? Oh, you may get excited when the Patriots quarterback traders and goes to Tampa and then wins the Super Bowl. You may get excited about that. Or you may get excited about, you know, some basketball guy throwing a ball through a hoop. Oh, he can shoot three-pointers. That's not going to do him much when he goes to heaven. Brother, if you can't get excited about the Bible and the Word of God, you need to get on your face before God in a quiet room without your wife or children, and you need to stay in there till God comes and anoints you and refreshes you and shows you the power of what you handle and what you've had. I preached it to you. I'm not taken away or I've not added to it by my knowledge in any way. The Holy Spirit's not told me so because I sought him. I don't want to add to the Bible. I don't want to take away from the Bible. Oh, my, no. I preached it when it was popular and when it's unpopular. I've, uh, I preached it when it added to the church and people came because of it. And I preached it when it took away from the church and diminished away from it. I preached it when it was well-received. And I preached it when it was ill-received. What have I done? Well, some of the subjects I've preached, I told you it's a man's world. All you men said? Amen. What a mess this place is. We take credit for it. You know, you know how bad off the world is? Men, we got to take credit for it. We're not going to be able to point a finger to women and say it's their fault. No. I, I've, I've told you the Bible says riches are dangerous. Boy, the world thinks riches are the best thing that ever could happen to you. But the Bible doesn't say that about riches. And every place you mention riches, it warns you, warns you, warns you, warns you. I've told you this health and wealth. Uh, um, Joel Osteen, Jim Baker, um, Jimmy Swagger, gospel is of the devil. The health and wealth gospels of the devil. Never was a, 
It is a perversion of the truth. See, to be rat poison is 99% good grain, but that 1% will kill you. And that's the way it is with those guys. Oh, they tell the, well, I heard him say the gospel. Yeah, of course he can't say everything he said false. Nobody would, nobody would give him any time. Lots of what they say is true, but they add to it or they take away from it and make it poison. I've told you honestly to drop everything else in your life and seek first the kingdom of God. I begged you to flee fornication, flee pornography, flee adultery, Flee gluttony. Where'd you ever hear a sermon on gluttony in the church of Jesus Christ today? I've told you honestly over and over again, women cannot be pastors or deacons in the Bible, local Bible church. I've told you divorce, as popular as it may be, and remarriage is a sin against God, no matter what kind of reason you come up with because the Bible says so. I've told you God hates divorce. That's actually a quote from Malachi. Women, I told you women are subject to their husbands, and all the men said. Try to keep you boys going here tonight. I've told you men are supposed to love their wives as God loves us. Christ loves us, so we're supposed to love them. I've told you children to respect their parents, not to judge them. I've told you to be honest in all things, everything's in every direction to be honest. I mentioned that every idle word that you speak, you'll someday give an account of it before God. I've mentioned to make the local church a high priority as they did in the book of Acts. Make it a big chunk of your world, big chunk of your life. Don't make the local church an add-on to your world. Make it this was centerpieces of your world that you add other stuff to. I've, I've begged you to pray for one another, love one another. I believe God still heals the sick. Yes, he does. When I came back with a negative report on everything, in fact, when I went into surgery, I was so convinced I'd been healed that I didn't feel I even needed to go to surgery. But it would have been a riot had I not gone. My, my wife and a few other people, you got to do it. got to do it. I thought, what, what's it for? I'm, it's gone. And the pathology report on everything they cut said it was gone, gone, gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Um, I've tried to preach a whole counsel of God to you. Ask in faith. I've served up some spiritual buffet at the gospel as we have out front. A sign that says that, well, I took it down now. Spiritual buffet. As best as God will allow me now for these 41 years, I've tried to speak, I've tried, as any good cook, I don't serve the same stuff all the time, and I don't cook it the same way. I like deep fried food. I like fried food. I like flame grilled food. I like fried food on hot metal. I, I, I mean, name something, I like it. I like Klondike's. I like all kinds of food. And as preachers, no different. I'm just a cook, spirit, serving up some food for you. I've tried, I, I've, oh, I, I talked to Rasmussen about this. Oh, oh, the only legitimate preaching is expository preaching. Oh, hogwash. You don't know what you're talking about. 
Rasmussen and I had a little fellowship on that. Some of the greatest preachers used by God ever were topical preachers. Moody, Bob Jones Sr., Gypsy Smith, name some. And once in a while, a guy like Spurgeon come along and do expositional preaching. God bless his soul. I've, I've preached expositionally to you. Tonight's topical, by the way. I've preached expositionally to you. I've preached topically to you. I've preached historically to you by using history and parallel with Scripture and showing you how it worked its way out. I preached on characters of the Bible, which they call biographical preaching. I've tried to preach carefully, give you a variety of food. Worked hard at not repeating myself over and over and over. You know, you can, you can eat ribeye, but if you eat it every day, pretty soon you'll hate ribeye. You got to keep variety in your preaching. And I begged you to read the Bible. I've been obnoxious to you so you'd read the Bible. So you'd digest it, recite it, repeat it, roll it over in your mind like a man chews tobacco. Keep the Bible right under your left eye hand. Keep the Bible right under your lip like that. Spit out Bible words, brother. Keep the Bible like that. You know, people that chew tobacco. You ever been around people chew, chew? They got a, they got a thing of tobacco under their lip everywhere, every all the time. They, you never see them without it. That's the way you need to be with the Bible. People that smoke cigarettes, they always got them a pack. Brother Morris was raised in a time similar to where I was raised. Where you, if you were cool, you took cigarettes and you rolled them up in your T-shirt sleeve. How many did that when they were young? You rolled them up. But if you didn't have them rolled up cigarettes, you weren't. who were you? You know, you rolled them up. They had a special way they rolled them up in their sleeve. I never did that. They had them cigarettes. You can count on them having them cigarettes with them all the time. And brother, Christian, born-again believer, saved by the Bible, we ought to count on having the Word of God with us, around us, in us, by us. We ought to be laying on it, sleeping with it, all over it, brother. Roll it over in your mind like a man chews tobacco. Study it, obey it, follow it, immerse yourself in it. Make every decision you make based on what does the Bible say about that. Right there, Jesus' words, Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. It's not so much, uh, blessed are they that hear the word of God, like tonight if you're here hearing the Bible. Yet, it doesn't bless you if you don't do it, Amen you got to make it your own. Embrace it for yourself. I lifted up the main character of the Word of God, the Lord Jesus. Promoted His name, character, salvation, intercession, holiness, deity, and soon coming. I preach the Word of God as it is for people as they are. Which comes from Dick Anderson. You have no excuses when you face God for not doing what you're supposed to do and being what you're supposed to be. Everything has been provided for you here at the gospel that you need to grow. All the power of God is available to you. His instructions at your fingertips. The Holy Spirit's in you to guide you and interpret it and help you. Romans 8.31, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I'll tell you who. You. 
You know who your enemy is? Don't worry about the devil. Don't worry about some bum preacher that goes astray or some deacon that's hypocritical. You know, if you fail, it'll be because you fail. Don't you take that, don't you take that long, fickle finger of fate and point that over somebody else because when you do, you got three of them pointing right back at you. You've had everything you need to succeed, brother. God's given us everything we need. Acts chapter 20, verse 27, Paul said to those dear folks at Ephesus, for I have not shunned to declare unto you the, all the counsel of God. Wow. He was only in Ephesus for three years, which kind of tells you that it don't take a long time. He was only there for three years. But in three years, he said, I've told you everything you need to know to succeed. Now go succeed. Go live for God. Don't let anything stop you by the grace of God. There's never been a higher privilege than to be called of God to preach His Bible. Never been a higher responsibility. Never been a more sobering task than to be called of God to preach His Bible. If God lays His hand upon you to preach, to teach, oh, dear one, take it with the utmost seriousness. Don't get your information off an internet preacher, off the internet. Spend time with God. Get with other people that are balanced and right and learn from them so that you may not hurt anybody that you talk to about the Word of God. Father, thank you tonight for your few minutes that I've been able to kind of just, for some reason, you wanted me to share my heart on this. I pray, Father, that these people may succeed. Ooh, I have asked you over and over and over again, build your church that the gates of hell would not prevail against us. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. We don't know what storm. There is a storm coming. We see it. We hear it. It's coming. It's in the horizon. We don't know what's coming, but we know that you're the God of all storms. And you're the shelter in the time of the storm. And you're, you're the cleft of the rock that we can get under. And you'll bear us up through everything that's coming. But bigger than all that, we'll be able to be a witness for you. Our light will be able to shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. May these people rally here at the gospel. May this church have revival. May we grow. May there be a power that cannot be explained except to say that God's at gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.